Welcome to a new episode of Fangirl Chat. And we haven't had one in a while. Probably the last one was a superhero movie, Wonder Woman, which spoke to us. And along comes a movie called Black Panther, speaks to us again. So we have to have a conversation. So this is Trisha Barr, your host for Fangirl Chat. And with me, I have some wonderful guests today. From Fangirls Going Rogue, Sarah Woloski. Hello. Hello. What would you do if your guests weren't that wonderful? Uh, <laughs> I, I would not embellish, I guess. Just say, I got guests. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I don't know. <laughs> and also from Fangirls Going Rogue, our social media manager, Sandra Coyote Shoot. She now has a new... <laughs> That is hilarious. Hi, everybody. It is an inside joke, the coyote part. I'll have to tell you guys the story later. (laughs) (laughs) And we are here to talk about Black Panther, which we've all seen. Sarah talked about it on Fangirls Going Rogue. She had seen it before all of us, and uh, I had just been following the craze. I know Sandra has. We've been sharing things for, like, months now about this movie and Wrinkle of Time. You know, we're just, like, messaging each other. Did you see this? Did you see that? And when we we were like, we have to talk about this. And when we set this up, you know, I always put it in the box office. That's one of the things. Teresa, who's not here my goodness, <laughs> uh, she always does box office, but, you know, it went in the show notes because you have to talk about box office. And then here we come around Monday morning and the estimates keep going up and they underestimated Sunday because they just didn't know what people were going to do. There's a long holiday and it ends up beating The Last Jedi for a four day total. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Wow. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah, so it's it's making these crazy numbers, and even as I'm going to read them, they're not even going to be correct by the time you hear this, but when we're recording this on Wednesday, February 21st, the ar- recent article that I could find, $242 million domestically over the President's Day weekend. I mean, these numbers wow. are like huge, huge, second highest four-day opening. The only one that's beat it is Star Wars The Force Awakens. wow if you just put it on kind of that kind of and 426 million worldwide and it hasn't even opened in a lot of places wow Wow. well i'm i'm that's great because this is a film that has a lot of buzz about it and it's good buzz and if you haven't seen it it's like you're you're not part of the popular culture so you better go out and see this thing (laughs) i agree i agree I mean, just to hear, just to hear the words number one in the world, it was just, it was just such an amazing thing to see. I mean, we knew the film uh, was going to be good, um, but we just didn't know to the, to what extent, you know, we just didn't know what to expect. And just to hear those numbers, I mean, people are just going to see it over and over again. It's just, it's just an amazing experience for everyone so far that I've talked to the reactions um, for, for this film just has been incredible. So, and it's also certified fresh at 97% right now, which is like the best Marvel movie to date as far as numbers. And it's okay. A few people cannot see it as fresh, but most yeah. of us do. <laughs> <laughs> Who are those people? Who are they? 
<laughs> um, wait, wait, Justice League lovers. I don't know. Oh, you just <laughs> never know. The one, one, the first. I remember the first cr- critical, the one that dropped it to ninety nine percent when it was a hundred. Was there wasn't enough action, and mm. I, you know, I. Maybe compared to, you know, some of the movies, superhero style, but there was a, there was definitely some action in this movie. There was a lot of fight scenes. Have you, either of you guys seen any of Ryan Coogler's other movies? Of course. <laughs> I have not, honestly. Oh. So Fruit, Fruitvale Station is one of them, correct? Yes. 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 What else? And Creed, which is the... Oh, Creed. Yes, I've seen Creed. Yes. Yes. Creed is the fight scenes in that are just incredible. And he got to kind of use that technique. You can see it in that understanding just of the choreography and the visuals of the of the movie but I I felt when I went to this one I saw it in IMAX and I went with a group of people from work and I felt like there's a lot of energy in the movie so I wanted to know what y'all's experiences were like I actually went and saw it two weeks before the movie actually came out and I saw it at a studios at a screening a press screening basically so and there was a lot of press there you know all different colors all different and um and it was fun to see it in that way, but the press screenings are usually more muted just because we all have to write reviews and we all have to take it all in. So, you know, everyone's not really usually yelling or screaming or anything like that. We're all trying to take in the film and the story. So it was really the day after at the press conference that I saw and felt the excitement from the crowd. So I will just start off by saying I've seen it four times already Wow! so, wow. so far. Um, the Tuesday before it was released, I was actually invited to a private screening, and it was wonderful. It was a little toned down, but that, again, just like you said, Sarah, I expected that. Uh, uh-huh. But on Thursday, on Thursday, you know, I purchased tickets early to go, and I went with a couple of people and I mean, as soon as you walked in the theater, there was already a crowd of people just waiting around, dressed up and, you know, in African Ooh. attire. It was colorful. I mean, people with hats. And I mean, <laughs> it was amazing to see like men were dressed up. Kids were dressed up, whether it was a T-shirt, but it was something Black Panther related. And I just and I just stood there in awe. like this is it was just so amazing. And then we finally got into the theater a couple of people decided they wanted to to sing. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with "Lift Every Voice and Sing." It's 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 considered the Black National Anthem. So a couple oh. of people before the movie began started singing uh, the Black National Anthem, and those obviously who knew the words joined in. And it was just so it was just such a powerful experience. People were standing up, people were shouting and cheering. And this is before the movie even began. So wow. it was just it was just it wasn't just an awesome feeling. There were little kids uh, there just just taking it all in. I mean, it was just overall just the, the excitement. It was just it was in the air. Um, oh. And then I went to see it on that Saturday. I actually organized um a gathering for our Penn State alumni group in the area. So a group of us went, there was, it was a more of like a private theater, a private screening. So it was about 60 of us in there together, watching it, enjoying it. Again, a couple of us dressed up. Some people had on t-shirts. It was just an overall amazing experience. And I wanted to see it 
you know, sort of like I felt like everything that I was doing prior to, um, you know, was whether it was I was a part of a, a committee or a group or watching it. So on Monday, a friend of mine, where she was off, she said, hey, you want to go see it together? She said, I've been reading this article, and I think it's just kind of time that we just kind of sit and just sit and watch it and take it all in. And I did. And, and it, actually, it was more it was more enjoyable because I felt like I wasn't entertaining anybody. It was more of like, okay, Sandra, just sit down, enjoy the film, and sort of like <laughs> experience for yourself now. So again, I've seen it four times, and I'm probably going to see it Another four times, just because I just love it. It's it's a, it's a really good film. Then, Sandra, what? Let's just pick a moment in the movie. Just pick a moment. What's your favorite moment in the movie? My favorite moment. I mean, there were so many. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was expecting that question, Trisha. I know, uh, but you just go with it, and you can just shout out something else later on. Okay. Um, I think for me, just seeing um, when they are flying into Wakanda for the first time and the music, um, the, you, you feel the music, they start off with the music. And then I think T'Challa kind of says out loud, this never gets old. And you kind of see that it was dark, a little slightly dark. And then you see, and then you, it's, it opens up, the screen opens up with just sunshine. And all you see is just all this green, you know, and animals running free. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, okay, now you guys, I'm taking you to this, this amazing world. And I think for me, that was just the moment that it was like, wow. It's, it, it's almost like... It was just so powerful, like, okay, I'm about to go into this new world and just let me just sit back and enjoy the ride. That was a powerful moment for me. Yeah. Awesome. I really liked the moment when T'Challa is in the cave with Shuri and Shuri is showing him around all her technology that she has made. And like, and and he's choosing the necklace that's going to be his Black Panther suit and things like that. And mm-hmm. it just reminded me of the scene out of uh, out of 007 movies, like Q, and showing <laughs> showing 007 around to all the new tech. Um, but it it was so cute because Shuri and T'Challa have such a chemistry together, and it's and she's so delightful. So I really I think right now. That's the scene I'm thinking of as one of my favorites. My favorite scene is when they go to Korea and Mm. they're doing their mission with Nakia Okoye and T'Challa. And there's also the Vanity Fair has the breaking down the scene of that whole uh, interaction, the fight and everything that goes on with the, the women. They're actually out of they're out of their comfort zone and in you know they're wearing wigs i know well that you know that's one of the 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 whole things is i love the whole how they're they're beautiful and feminine and strong and then they turn those wigs and whatever and nakia uses her shoe and everything it just becomes (laughs) about being these powerful women and there's this whole like just there's banter and there's the bad guys and you just know the fight is coming and just the whole anticipation of that, uh, how it happens. And there's also kind of that, 
the I don't know the intimation that Nakia has misbehaved or made an impression in in that club before at some some point. So you know she's back in the Maz Kanata you know uh, kind of sassiness there, and just I love that scene. It it really grabbed me, and you know Shuri in that moment too. She gets, gets to kind of wait. And she wants to participate and be part of it, but you know she's the little sister. She has to stay at home, and so it was all just kind of fun. But in just in general, I I loved the energy that went into that. And they said that was one of the earliest scenes that they filmed and it helped kind of define everything in it. I know that we had talked about it in our own little kind of discussion group about the colors that Sarah, you had seen and noticed in the storytelling. So what, like what colors were you asking Sandra about specifically? Oh, yeah. So specifically, I just noticed that Nakia, who is Lupita's character, she in every scene, she's wearing some form of green, except for like the the warrior scenes, the battle scenes towards the end where she takes more of the red battle armor. But but every scene she's and it's like different fabrics, different colors of green, but it's all usually green. So I just wanted to know that that has to have some symbolism. And so I Sandra I ask you like what what does that mean? Like either well, in African culture or through the comics? Well, just I mean just culturally like when you think about green, you know green just means life. There's life. I mean when you think about the the, the trees around us, the grass, you know everything around us is green. So it's it's, it's just it means life. She's full of life. Um, and if when you look at the film, obviously there's different tribes represented. And hers, I believe, they were the the river tribe. So when you think oh. about the river, um, when you think about the river, it flows without you know without the without water. You know the trees can't grow, the grass can't grow. It, it, it water gives everything life. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So that was more of my connection with it. I mean, everyone can have their take, you know, when it comes to the colors. But whenever I think about film with um, green and when you see it in every, you know, every flag, you know, in various countries in Africa, that's what it represents, you know, where it just represents life and represents, you know, um, the greenery, you know, sort of like the environment and everything around and everything around them. Like nature, basically. Nature. Yep. Basically nature. Yeah, the Pan-African flag is a, a red, a black, and a green color, and that's actually represented in that fight scene, The what they're wearing, the colors, each of them wear one of those, and it's it's kind of cool. The, just the whole setup where Sandra's talking about the different tribes, um, I've been, been to Africa a couple times, specifically to Tanzania, but you get a lot of the sense of the history and why the continent is what it is. And it's a very nomadic continent where they're following the rains. When they talk about the river, the, the rains, as they move around, the animals would move around and the tribes, the, they don't really have borders. Like borders was a, a a different kind of concept because you would move your people where you needed to follow the animals, where the rains went, where you could survive and exist. So they don't have an idea like where you would just, you know, set down a farm and have a homestead and that's where you would be. Their, their tribes, their nations moved as they needed to. And so that green is a really powerful color because the, the, that color represents life literally to them. Um, and 
Yeah, and and the war, and that's where you know you see this a lot of the talk where they literally call people colonizers, and so Wakanda yes, Wakanda is like a an idea of an Africa that wasn't colonized, of a country that didn't didn't have, um, wasn't conquered and overthrown and 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 forced to kind of have borders and do and live in a certain way, and you know what would happen if if there were people who were free to just be who they were. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really interesting concept on its own and it's definitely was a story that had to be told from, from someone like Ryan Cooler's perspective of it. I, I like that it's the movie started for him. It's very personal. He grew up in Oakland, um, and, and the, and the movie starts there, um, which is, you know, the whole, that whole notion of this, just what we see him in the civil war movie and his, the whole plot for T'Challa is to, as black Panther is to understand that he can't be about revenge, but he has to learn that through someone else's journey. He's sort of like a witness to, in his father's death. And we open black Panther with him coming back and having to now take the role. But it was kind of surprising. what did you guys think of that? They, it wasn't just assumed he was going to be the King. That they that that these battles took place. Sandra, what did you think of that whole setup of how he had to kind of earn the role? Um, you know, I mean, just just when you think about it, you know, just think about just our culture, and you know, when you read these stories, um, especially in the African culture, it's almost like you know, rites of passage um, that a lot of young men and sometimes young women have to go through. Um, in our African, you know, in African culture, it just, to me, it just made sense that, you know, like, although yes, you know, he was the son of the King. It was, he, that was his path, you know, becoming the King was his path, but it wasn't downright. Oh, well, you're the King now, but you still have to, in front of all of these other tribes, you know, to sort of like show your skills, show us what you can do. Uh, can you lead us, as, you know, as a King? Um, and then when Mbaku comes in and, and challenged that, no one no one expected that. And I thought that was <laughs> that was just such a great moment. Like, wait a minute. And he says, you know, we've been watching from afar. You guys are doing this. You have this young girl who's doing all this technology, but we want to keep true to our culture. And so because of that, I'm challenging you, um, you know, for the rights of the throne. So I thought that was just an amazing thing. But it's, again, it just go back to just rites of passage uh, for you know, for T'Challa in many, in many cultures, that's part of it, a rites of passage. Well, it also makes your nation stronger if you are going to be behind the strongest person rather than someone who is born into something who may not be the best person to lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you get Henry VIII from England, you know, <laughs> overthrowing a bunch of wives because he and, and right. the church and all this stuff. Uh, and also, I I find that this rite of passage is also good in a, from a story perspective, mm-hmm. because knowing that Black Panther isn't a person, but it is a protector. So anyone can wear the Black Panther mask. So it actually it it makes it less certain that T'Challa will continue as Black Panther. You know. It, from a story perspective, it's like, yeah, we know he won't die, but, but then, oh, but will he? Because anyone can be Black Panther. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It absolutely does. I just loved that, just the whole setup of that rite of passage. Just, it was beautiful. The waterfall, obviously, it, it sets up stuff for later on. And, you know, how it's all going to go down. Mbaku was kind of a surprise character. I just loved him. I was shocked. When I was I was not expecting that, but it was just uh it, it was just it was just a great moment seeing him. First of all, uh Winston Duke, uh the name of the you know, the 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 actor, uh, that was actually like my first time really seeing him and it, I I was amazed. I mean, he really played that role. He really did. I mean, right now all the women are drooling over him because he's like this new like <laughs> sexy hot guy now like everybody want to get you know t-shirts that says mbaku's boo uh, so. <laughs> he got a hashtag today what yeah. is it yeah he didn't have a he didn't have a twitter emoji and oh, he got emoji. Yeah, ah! he got one today he because oh, of his, happy. Kind of his oh. you know it just the whole even later on in the movie when you know he says the unexpected everything about him is unexpected you know? yeah yes. and, I, and I think I, and I love that it almost seemed like really were these lines written into the film or were they impromptu because he just <laughs> I mean he just nailed so much some comedic moments I mean it was just an amazing thing to see I loved him and I you know I just love how he came out and you know he expressed his feelings like you know this is a, like we want to live a certain way you know T'Challa you you know you guys you know you guys are out there you're putting out you know, sort of like Wakanda's business out there. And we don't want that. We don't want to, you know, sort of like integrate with the outside world. And so, you know, just challenging him for that, I thought that was, that was, I thought that was amazing because he didn't want to change his way of life. And I, and I get that. Yeah. But, and, and then he ended up being a interesting ally at the, you know, at the end, it just was just unexpected in in that that's how he ended up, you know, that set up the whole rite of passage set up an ally for later on because he showed compassion to Charles showed him compassion in the moment and gave him the opportunity to yield as opposed to just going through the rate of, well, you challenged me. I must kill you uh, to earn this spot. So that was, that was, you know, and then that tug of war happens throughout the movie. You have tradition versus innovation, which is Ryan Coogler, how he, Ryan Coogler framed his mindset for it. So M'Baku represents the tradition and Shuri and Nakia represent sort of innovating, thinking about different ways of uh, wanting to change the world. I don't think Shuri necessarily has a, she just wants to invent things. And yeah, she she just likes, she's, she's just, she's just good she's at a it. Genius. Yeah, <laughs> she, she only thinks about look technology. You know, even when you know in the film when she has to save you know Agent Ross, it's almost like okay, <laughs> look, it's not about it's technology to save you. So her mind, it's almost like you haven't meet somebody who's like extremely extremely smart. You know, like you meet these sometimes you meet these gifted kids. They only have like a certain way of thinking. Like yeah, yeah. I hear you, but right now like. This is how you do it in math. You know, they can only focus <laughs> on certain things. So it's hard for them to, to deviate from their path. And I think that's what I love that about Shuri. Like, look, I'm all about technology. I invent things. I run this group, the design group. So all we think about is how we could use vibranium for the better <laughs> to make our country better. And I, and I, and I love that about her character. I just like all, 
all the badass women <laughs> in the <laughs> film. Like that's what I took away most uh, upon my first viewing was like, wow, there was Lu- you had Lupita as Nakia, who is kind of the friend slash lover. You had the mom. Uh, let's see, who is she played by? You you had T'Challa's mom, of course, which is Angela Bassett. You had his the warrior. You had the uh, scientist. You know, like all all of all of them kept popping up, and it's like, wow. I mean, now I I didn't really notice how many films didn't have a lot of women until I saw this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and I think for me this is you know, and I, I think that Trisha tweeted me like right after she saw the film and she was like I can imagine you know just you know what Sandra's thinking right now I mean for me I just had to <laughs> pause I really just had to pause and take it all in you know as you know as a child I mean I came from Haiti you know obviously it was a predominantly it was a black culture I mean coming to America and I think you know and I shared this with you guys was was a, was a culture shock for me I mean I came at the age of nine in the 80s it, it, it was totally different you know, I can't, it, it was shocking, you know, the things that I had, you know, that I had to deal with and, you know, being teased, being taunted, you know, it wasn't just by, you know, by a certain group. It was just by just American culture, um, period. And so, you know, when I, when I saw it just, and then growing up and you start to notice certain things, like, oh, wow, I don't see anybody who looks like me on this show. You know, I love this show, but no one looks like me. Like, I'm reading this book, but there's no one that looks like me. And so, you know, growing up, you start noticing these things, especially in science fiction. Um, You start to notice these things. And I think for me, just sitting back and watching this film and just, you know, one woman after the other. You know, you have Lupita. You have, um, you know, you have, you know, you have Angela Bassett. You know, you have Letitia Wright. I mean, all of these women just on the same screen, sharing the same screen. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it was just like, I'm still in awe at all of it. I'm sort of like, I'm still processing all of it because I've never experienced anything like this before. Nikia for me was exciting just because she essentially, you know, we find out she's the love interest. Koye kind of says, don't freeze when he goes to extract her from her mission. We see that she's working outside of the system and it's not outside of the Wakanda system. They have people who are out in the world being spies and infiltrating and doing that kind of stuff. But she's just decided that she can't, once she's she's been outside, she can't just go back into the comfort of Wakanda and let everybody else live their lives and let what happens to them happens to them. She's, she's with a group of women who are obviously, you know, in some type of oppressed situation, you know, I don't know if it's slave trafficking or something, but she's there trying to make a difference when she gets removed from it. And she instantly, she's chosen this life instead of a life of comfort and being, you know, the girlfriend of of the future king potential future king and she's she's her mission statement is we need to do more we could do more and it's not about war it's about healing and providing what they have to help people heal so it ends up being an interesting contrast to later on killmonger who wants to take the the weapons of wakanda and and, you know, make a difference, but he doesn't really. And and I've seen a lot of conversation where 
Killmonger is right about a lot of things and he you know they and he was wronged in what happened what T'Challa's father did he was wronged but that doesn't make him right and I, it's it's a very powerful moment I've seen a lot of people really go look at what he does to his own own girlfriend another black woman he he harms her and so that's that people say that's points to you the intention that he's not right that he has he he has the he embodies a voice of oppression but he's not going about fixing it he's just trying to seek revenge which is what t'challa had been through his lesson in civil war that's not the right way to do it so it ends up that nakia and killmonger have the same mindset but they're going about it two different ways in the story and she ends up going through a journey where she ends up getting to compromise and have her love and make change, which I think is really cool. I I think so too. And I'm glad they, they pair those two together. I I, I thought they were, I mean, the the chemistry on screen was really, really powerful. (laughs) I I actually enjoyed watching those two together and I love the role I mean, you know, the film changed a little bit from the comic, which is okay. But, you know, I love that path that, you know, they're taking the key on, you know, just having, and I think for me, it was just like all the women in the film, they all had a choice, you know, no matter what, you know, you know, the men around them did or said, they still had a choice. You know, when T'Challa was talking to Nakia about, hey, why don't you come and be my queen? You know, he was saying it like in, in a funny way. But in not in and not at any point in the film was he like forceful. Well, I you know sort of like well I need you here with me. It's almost like well you know hey you know you know I love you love me. Well, what can we do to work this out so that you know we can still you know come you know find a common ground with one another. And I thought that was not sort of I, I like that. I I really like the way that they interacted with each other, and I like the way you know Ryan Coogler made that approach uh, with the two of them as a couple. Yeah, and Lupita even said in the press conference how she was proud to be a part of this film because all the women in the film had a relationship to each other that wasn't antagonistic Mm -hmm. or it wasn't against each other. They were all working toward the same purpose. And and in her experience, like in movies she's been in, that hasn't always been the case. If there were women, they were oftentimes like – Com- competitive that, that's mm-hmm. true in most most stories you rarely see a female friendship and women that are in the movie are typically opposing each other so i mean that's that's very typical that's why i like the dora malaji did i say that right the, yeah i have no idea yeah the women <laughs> warriors because yes. they're all they all have a purpose and we actually see okay okoye and nakia but heads when they are without a king or when Killmonger has come in and assumed a role. And you see the, no, I have to stick with tradition versus Nakia, who's just, if, if she hadn't acted, that likely he would have slaughtered the, the mother and the sister um, in his takeover. So, you know, she's, she's assuming, but they, you know, they have this moment where they're each trying to wrestle with what they're going to do and, and what choice they're going to make. And they have these arcs where they have to go through and, you know, what, you know, how am I going to act? What is my choice going to make? And, you know, eventually when the Dora Malaji decide 
who they're going to fight for when Black Panther returns when he's you know in Hera's journey you, they talk about you have a you have a, either a death or a virtual death or a you know where you think the characters died that's that's like literally what they did with him he falls over in the water he goes away they find him he's in the ice they have to bring him back to life and he's returned it it presents an opportunity for them to go wait a minute the the battle never ended the tradition still offers us an opportunity to make a choice and to, to still fight for our king and that's when they seize that opportunity i also like that nakia has apparently resisted joining this force but then she puts on the armor it's very symbolic of of a shift in her character yeah and it's not green armor it's red i thought so too i thought so too i mean it was it's it's almost like you you know it's it's and i thought and i love what shuri said she said look it's just armor so i think for me (laughs) it's just an armor put it on to protect yourself it's almost like you know it's not it's not the suit it's not the suit that you put on that makes you who you are, who you are but it's what's in your heart. It's what you do. Um, and so I, I sort of, you know, I, I like when that happened, like putting her, having her put on that suit. Like, yeah, she's not Adora. Like she said, I'm not Adora. But you know what, though? I love Wakanda. I love my king. I will put it on for that mm-hmm. purpose, mm-hmm. for that purpose. And I, and, I, and I love I love that. I love that scene. So, Trisha, is that the note you have about the heroine's journey? Well, yeah, actually, there's there's multiple heroines journeys. One is Nakia is having one where she's having to kind of integrate and compromise. But T'Challa actually has one, too, because he has he has the way of his father and the choice to be um, to keep to themselves and tradition. And then there's the way that Nakia presents to him, which is to go out and to to seek outside and to, to open yourself up. And he, he makes, starts making choices, you know, he resists it, but when presented with it, with agent Ross, I can save him. Right. It's just one person, but he's like, well, I'm not just, you know, not going to just let him die when I can save him. He's actually going through what Nakia is presented to him. He's now having to rectify these two, parts of himself tradition which has given him the right to king be king he's earned it but the tradition also enforces that hierarchy and then this notion that you could take it that kingdom outside and save others so he finds a way so he's having a heroine's journey himself in in that he's finding the two sides of himself and figuring out how he's going to move forward as an individual. So that was really interesting too. When you just break it down, he, there's a lot, a lot of the beats of the hero's journey are in the heroine's journey, but they're more about aligning and figuring out who you are as opposed to just spiraling down to who you are. That, that I don't know if that makes sense, but a hero's journey just assumes you are somebody and that you go through the process to figure out who you are. Whereas a heroine's journey says you take different sides of things that you learn in life and you make them fit and become somebody. Huh. So, wow. yeah. So he, he's sort of integrating those different messages from different people um yeah. which which ended up fun and then at the end he gets to essentially go back to Oakland the 
the point of the the wound is so to speak in the mm-hmm. in Wakanda's history the wound of leaving somebody yes. behind and he gives the two women the opportunity to do the things that they want to do want to do and Shuri just wants to do her stem well she wants to go <laughs> go to Coachella and Disneyland she has her priorities yes. um, <laughs> Um, but she does want to just do her science stuff too. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Well, you're talking about T'Challa and how he, uh, has kind of a heroine's journey where you, you see the different parts and decide what to become. And that kind of reminds me of the music. And I read this great article and video that you pointed me to, uh, by Lisa Brown and it's on, well, on genius.com. And it is the making of Wakanda from Black Panther with Ludwig Göransson, and he is the composer. And what I find interesting is he actually went to Africa to research this music, the African music, and toured with Baba Mall, who is a Senegalese singer and guitarist who's very famous in Africa. And so Ludwig came away with these talking drums. And that became the theme for T'Challa. And so what he did is he took one talking drum and then he added some more talking drums and added some more and some more and some more. The sum of all those drums became T'Challa's theme. So it's like he, he, the, the music itself is like T'Challa in his many parts becoming one thing. That makes sense. Yeah, I just I love that whole video. It'll be in the show notes, so definitely okay. check. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. He also uh, he produced Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. Yes. Oh, Donald. <laughs> yeah. His hits. Uh, yeah. Mr. Fur, Mr. Fur wearing a Donald. <laughs> why? Okay, this is a tangent, but why is he called Childish Gambino? I have no idea. I'm sure it's some type of like alter ego thing, right? Well, childish. It's just it's just weird imagery. Oh gosh, but but then like look at I mean look at Donald Glover. I mean I mean it's just I, I love the guy. I call him whatever he wants to be called. <laughs> Well, Riz Ahmed uh, goes, has a different name too for his music side, so. But Sarah, going back to what you said, you said something earlier that I, you know, that I wanted to touch on that you said that, you know, the, you know, the composer, like he traveled to Africa, but when you, you, I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to read the article in Variety, the entire, I mean, everyone that worked with this film, uh, the costume designer, makeup, hair, um, Ryan, I mean, they all went to Africa to actually, it's almost like they went on a research project you know, just to make sure that this film that they were talking about this, you know, this country in Africa that they represented it well. So everything that you see in the film, the music, the, you know, the costumes, the hairstyles, everything is a reflection of certain tribes in many different countries in Africa. And I, you know, I, I mean, I just, and I think that's why it's so amazing because everybody can find something that they can connect with in this film. I mean, I love the costumes <laughs> because you know I love clothes. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I love their hair, and you know, and I and I, and I follow <laughs> Ruth um, Ruth Carter. You know, I follow her Instagram. I mean, just I mean, 
she did an amazing job with the costumes. She really did. And I mean, any woman will tell you like, okay, some of those, the, the, the gowns and, <laughs> and the colors, I mean, they really stood out. So I'm glad, I mean, they really did excessive research to be able to bring this, um, us this film. I, I enjoyed it. When you look at the costumes like, of this movie and also of Wonder Woman and you can see how they can make a totally beautiful costume that's also functional and, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, re- re- reflects strength and, and different elements. It's, I mean, I just kept looking at the outfits going, oh, my God. I mean, the people who <laughs> cosplay just must be wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah! It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, seeing little kids dress up as you know, as members of Dora Milaje. I mean, it's it's just such an amazing feeling. <laughs> I mean, just little you know, little kids, and you know, and it's and it's across you know, it's across color lines. I mean, I just see so many people find different ways, you know, to connect with this film. And I think that's what I, I appreciate about it. You know, I have friends who were sending me messages, you know, I have, you know, uh, you know, some of my, you know, some of my white friends were calling me, texting me like, Hey, is it okay if I wear this t-shirt? I'm like, Hey, everybody's Aww. welcome. <laughs> everyone's, I'm like, and I said, everyone's welcome in Wakanda. I mean, Uh, cute Bucky's there Bucky's there why can't she be there (laughs) yep (laughs) so yeah I mean literally I think people just wanted to be respectful but I appreciated that they were like hey we're not sure like is it okay and I was like yeah it's fine it's a movie you know so and and I love that that people are like look I I love I love this this film I want to see it I mean it just sounds amazing so I, you know, I like that people were, you know, sending me messages just to make sure like, Hey, you know, I don't, you know, just so you're out of respect. But I thought that I appreciated that. It was, it was good to see so many people just wanting to see the film. So how about the pet rhinos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were cute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were. Oh, there was another fun thing. Sorry, at DCA, you can see Black Panther and the Dora Milaje are escorting him through uh, Hollywoodland. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great that they're doing the experience already. Uh, Yeah. They didn't wait for that one. Uh-uh. <laughs> the, the pet rhino created one of my favorite moments in the movie, too, which was, you know, when they finally end up. It's Wakabi is the friend. Yes. Who, yeah. Okay. Yes. When Wakabi and Koye, who obviously have had some have some type of relationship, end up fighting each other and she stops the rhino dead in its tracks and he licks her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, like, I, I, I love you. I can't hate you. Oh, that, that was so cute! Like, just that reminds you of the pet in our lives. Like, hey, they're always trying to, you know, they're very protective of us. Like, I can't hurt her. Like, you love her, I love her. So, <laughs> I thought that was too cute. <laughs> and, and then, and then he realizes that she really is not going to choose him. That she's <laughs> she's going to choose country. So that was that was definitely an interesting moment in it. But it was funny because it's like, oh look, she got a rhino lick. <laughs> what does that feel like that was cute well the look on her face says it all it was cute <laughs> I definitely so what do you guys think of just the end with Killmonger how you know he, 
he was offered to Chala offered the chance to heal him and just what what that says that the what he's his message and how he ended you know what are you going to do to me just you'll heal me and stick me in jail because this comes up a lot when we look at you know at villains and how we deal with them and i felt like this was a a, a strong take on it sandra well, the, you know, the, the quote that he says is, uh, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. I mean, it's just, again, it goes back to that, the connection between, um, you know, when we talk about, you know, slavery, this, you know, the, the slave trade, um, that's what that was all about. You know, it's almost like, okay, are you going to do the same thing to me that happens, you know, that that happened to my ancestors. If you heal me, you're obviously not going to let me roam around with kind of free, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, you know, it's almost like I refuse to sit in a jail cell. I, you know, I refuse to be a Guinea pig or, you know, you know, hand me over to, you know, to the, to the USA, you know, to the USA government. He was like, you know what? Death is better um, than being chained up than being locked up. Um, and then, you know, he was like, if I had that choice, I would do the same thing that some of my ancestors did. And we know historically, you know, when, you know, the, the Atlantic straight, slave trade, a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, you know, Africans that were, you know, that were taken, uh, pretty much kidnapped, uh, from Africa. It's almost like they knew what was waiting for them, you know, on the other side of that ocean. So a lot of them just leaped, um, to their deaths. So he's that's it, that's where that line came from. I mean, although a lot of people, that's you know, a lot of people love that quote because you know sometimes you know because us, you know, it's it's what we're dealing with. I mean, look at the sign mm-hmm. of the times, you know, depression. You know, when you know when you deal with you know with oppression, a lot that that quote stood out. You know, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's almost like, hey, you know, Eric, we get it, dude. But you know, you went about this the wrong way. You, I mean, you were ready to kill Shuri. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, so I was like, that's your little cousin, you know, it, it's almost like, is this like an eye for an eye? You know, what is this um, that's happening? Uh, you know, the quote stood out. Um, I honestly don't, my personal opinion, like I, I, I don't think we've seen the left of Eric Killmonger, but mm. that's a different story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is such a powerful villain because you really understand where he comes from and why he's doing what he he does. You know, he's not a villain just to be a villain. He's he has his own agenda and we understand that because of course the movie opened in Oakland and we we get it. So I I think it's a really good villain, a, a Marvel villain in general and I hope we do see more of him. You know, there's been a lot of discussion online of uh, the term villain versus yeah. you know an antagonist okay um, yeah you know what i mean so there's been a lot of debate about well is he really a villain or you know how I we mean, label him because i guess a lot of people are just because they can a lot of people are saying like I, I i it's almost like they can read eric's mind like i understand what he was trying yeah. to do yes he went about it the wrong way you know he committed all these acts and and you looking at the markings on his body, like, wow, you know, it, it's shocking. But it's almost, you know, it's almost like he went through this transformation. Um, so there's been a lot of debate whether that was, is he really a villain or is he, you know, is he antagonist? So that's, a, that's debatable, but he was definitely a bad guy. He was definitely yeah. a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, yeah, bad guy or, or antagonist works better. I just simply used villain just because it's kind of like the term, I guess. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. Uh, I think but, I think that that Ryan Coogler clearly sends a message that he is a villain when he's willing to shoot his uh-huh. girlfriend. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he that he's willing to let her go so he can get Claw. So Claw's his gateway to get into the you know and and make at, otherwise he wouldn't even been able to get in the country. So he's willing to to use people and spit them out that he that he something bad happened to him in his life makes him sympathetic. And that's, that's always the important is to understand where, cause sometimes just evil for the sake of evil isn't very right. Fun. It's like, right. Oh, they're just really evil, you know, unless yeah. you're Loki and then be as evil as you want. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I think, yes, you know, there's some parts of Eric that, you know, that, you know, that I like, you know what I mean? Like I understand historically, you know, where he's coming from. But that mindset sometimes, like, by, you know, I'm I'm willing to, I want that throne, you know, I want to be king, you know, I want to do this by any means necessary without regard, you know, to anyone else, without any regard to, you know, the people around you, you know, the people, you know, your people, um, you know, you know, just being in Wakanda, like you, your dad told you about this place, you know, it's a beautiful place, the sunset, but you are willing to kill, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like you, you know, you Wakandan city citizen, so that so that you can be king. That whole mindset of by any means necessary, you know. I think you know you'll find that a lot of people had issues with. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't want to heal the world. He wants to overthrow one form of oppression and insert mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that's a you know a, it's a cautionary tale of when you you know, when you fight for things in a certain way, you'll, you'll end up losing anyway. And that's why Nakia and Shuri's want to uh, heal. They want to, they want to come out and say, we can heal people. We can make it better. And they actually, it works with Agent Ross. They, they create an, I mean, he's a, he's a spook. He's the most least trustful type of American there could be. Uh, that's like his not in his nature and he's listening to Shuri and he's doing and he and he wants to help win, you know, win for T'Challa and you know he becomes an ally of of a sort because they heal him. And so that's you know there's a there's a nice message in there that you know there's one there's ways to do things and ways not to. And mm-hmm. I mean we we see a lot of it doesn't matter who who you are we see uh people from many different colors uh, inflicting a lot of harm on people for various bad reasons a girl didn't um return my you know what i my affection or my parents didn't do something for me but that then escalating it to to killing other people becomes okay and i, I think the message in the movie is that you know, healing is the way to, to move forward, which for a superhero movie, you know, (laughs) (laughs) is, is pretty cool. Um, so if you were to tell somebody, Sandro, who hasn't seen this movie, what would be your, why should you go see this movie other than it's a superhero movie? Because a lot of people just don't go to superhero movies. So why would you go to it other than it's a superhero movie. It's it's a great story. I mean, period. You know, I try to tell people just yeah, because I think a lot of times, you know, obviously we're every, every, we're all visual. 
a lot of people are focusing, oh, you know, it's either the black cast and, you know, this and that. But it's, it's honestly, it is just a good story from beginning to end. You know, Ryan Coogler did an amazing job just putting all the pieces together and created a, wonder, a wonderful story. Not only is full of, it has religion, it has, it, it has love, you know, it has action. It has like, it embodies so much that it it just turned into this this great, amazing story. And I think for me, that's what I love about it. I'm not, and I would tell anybody, if you love a good story, go see it. Forget the superhero hype. Forget all that. If you want to see a good story, go see it. I thought it was well written. Um, when, when I mean the, the you know cinematography, obviously, uh, but just an overall good movie. I would tell people, uh, yeah, if you want to be part of the social conversation, <laughs> go see it. <laughs> that's, right. that's that's one reason as well. I mean, I do I do think it's also a good story and a good film and to see it with a bunch of people is really fun. So see it in the theater with, with lots of people. There's, I took my boss who he, we go to superhero movies a lot. So he said to me, because he had no expectations going in, he said, I really was surprised because it was about an internal story. It wasn't about a big war that you see in these superhero movies where you have big battles and somebody comes from outside. He says it was a very internal story. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly right. Uh And so it's not, it's certainly not the typical fair. It's very much they, you know, they were looking to try to do kind of a bondish type, you know, James Bond type of movie where they, you know, a spy thriller. And I think they definitely capture that, but you also have a family drama in it. If you like those type of movies and you have some romance. So there's Mm -hmm. a a lot of ways it's different from what you typically see in the suit. And it's just visually stunning. I know the cinematographers have been nominated for an Oscar on Mudbound. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, she's already acknowledged as, as, and it's, so it's just a, it's a kind of a sumptuous feast for your eyes. If you want to just go and look at something that's really pretty in general, but you know, it's hard because people say, oh, they're just superhero movies. I'm like, no, I think they, they really tried. And I, I think the box office speaks to that, that Uh it's something you can connect with. And ultimately the T'Challa story about his father is is a very real story, right? Mm-hmm. We grow up and we realize yeah. our parents aren't really who we thought they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> you kind of have to come yeah. to deal with, to grips with mm-hmm. that and make that work. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's, I mean, I think there's something for everyone. There's something for everyone in, in the film. You know, I've also had a lot of parents, you know, contact me like, Hey, is it okay for kids? Like I never tell people yeah. like, Hey, if it's, you know, take your eight year old kid. I always tell people like, go see it for yourself. Um, and, and made the judgments. Um, and I'll tell you this: one of the one of the I, not the funniest things, but one of the one of the uh, moments that happened while I was in the theater the second time I saw this film is that when T'Challa is is thrown off the cliff uh, by um, Eric, and you know everybody thought you know the Black Panther died. There was a little boy. He looked like he was about six or seven years old sitting next to his mom. He started crying. It was like, no, Black Panther died. I mean, it was, you know, it's like I was trying not to giggle and laugh, but but he had, I mean, this he had already made an emotional connection, 
you know, with mm-hmm. this character, you know, and, and just seeing him fall off that, I mean, he started crying. Literally, his mom had to pick him up, sit him on her lap, <laughs> and hug him, like, mm. it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, baby. I mean, it was, I mean, it's, I think it's just, I mean, when I think about moments like that, it just shows how, how much, it's almost how much we've been waiting for a film like this. You know, it's not, you know, it's not the typical comedy like we mentioned before, like women against women. It's just a general, it was, it is a good story about, it sort of like embodies so much, um, you know, of the, of our culture, African and, you know, and African American culture. And so there's so much that many of us can relate to, um, in this film. And that's why it's so powerful. I'm waiting for it to go beyond this to see Shuri meet Tony Stark. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Because he's going to be like, wait a minute, I thought I was the genius. Yep. In fact, there is a rumor that uh, Tony Stark, uh, he, in, in later films, like let's say the guy who plays him, gosh, his contract runs out. Robert or Downey he, Jr.? Thank you, Robert Downey Jr. But uh, Shuri may take over as Iron Man. Hmm. There's there's kind of some some Marvel like rumors about this, which which is you know again I, I love these rumors, but I do know like in the comics there is another character that is yes. that was supposed to be taken. Riri Williams is her name. Right. She's mm-hmm. supposed to be take over. So this kind of I love all these rumors, so I can't wait to see what exactly happens. What exactly right. happens um, in the future? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the great thing about a character like Black Panther or Batman or Iron Man, those type of characters, is it's not necessarily like the suit. The suit that mm-hmm. different people can move into the suit. I think in some iterations, Shuri actually becomes the Black Panther. Oh wow! And if you were look at the kind of the world building, if something were to happen, she would be able to challenge for the throne. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason because so, I think someone asked, is this a, you know, is it only that he, that the males can challenge, but there's, there are plenty of women in the kind of hierarchy and it doesn't seem like there's an exclusion that women couldn't challenge for it. We just don't see that happen in, in this, this film. film, but Right. So, you know, if you were just to look at it, but I just, I just want to see her with the tech and kind of going, you know, one-on-one with Tony, giving it to him. Yes. And Bruce oh, Bain. yeah. <laughs> I agree. I just, just want to see her address him as colonizer. Uh, that would be her. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm looking for, and just to see Tony's reaction that I think that will be priceless. <laughs> Yes. I, awesome. I noticed too on the, the closing clip, because um, make sure if you guys haven't stayed for the end credits, there's two uh, closing scenes and you get to get the very end that we see her with the white wolf. It's Bucky Barnes, formerly the winter soldier, um, mm-hmm. that he has not been given another arm because he had a vibranium arm, uh, one that was stolen. So he's, he's without his arm that was uh he lost in civil war so i'm wondering if part of the healing is him earning the right to get an arm back because at some point they're gonna have to you know fix him 
uh, to completion. So I, I just thought that was interesting that he didn't have one and that she was mm-hmm. the character that they introduced him back into the story with. Uh, we know yeah. that at the end of Civil War, we see him go into hibernation um, until they can heal him or find a way to overcome his programming. Right. Wow. Well, if anyone can heal him, it's Shuri. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <She is. laughs> All right. So, wow. ladies, we're going to wrap this up. Um, where can people find you? Sarah, go first. Uh, sure. You can find me. I am at Jedi Tink at Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to hear more Black Panther, including the press conference and some inside stories behind the scenes, uh, head to episode 202 of Skywalking Through Neverland, where we have like a Black Panther special episode. It's really exciting, really fun. And check that out. Sandra. Um, if anyone is looking for me or wants to chat furthermore, you can find me at Geekchick9 on Instagram, on Facebook, and also please join our Facebook group to continue the discussion. We're, we talk about many different things, so please join us on our Fangirls Gone Rogue uh, Facebook group. And you can find me at Fangirl Cantina on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Fangirls Going Rogue at FG Going Rogue. And we will definitely be having more conversations about this, about Star Wars, about Star Wars Rebels. On <laughs> Solo to come. So lots of stuff to talk about. So definitely check out the Fangirls Going Rogue website. That's fangirlsgoingrogue.com or my blog, fangirlblog.com. And we will continue the conversation. So until next time, I feel like I need to have M'Baku um, his chant here or something. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, listen to this lovely chant. No. <laughs> Let's Hilarious. play some drums. Yes, I right? will play some drums. Yeah. Play some drums. The talking yeah, drum. Find, <laughs> find some drum beats to end it all. <laughs> <laughs>